embrace it. Remember, over the last few weeks, we said, how do we live a godly life in an ungodly world? And we, we realized that godliness represents a holy life. A holy life. And my question to you this morning is, are you living a holy life? If I come up to you and I look you in the eyes and you've got nowhere to turn your eyes away from me and I ask you this question this morning and I say, are you living a holy life? You've got nowhere to go, nowhere. You can't turn your head away. You've got nowhere to hide. But I come to you and I look you in the eyes and I say, are you living a holy life? What are you going to say? Do you understand what holiness is? It means purity. It means morally blameless. But there's another meaning of this which we're going to touch on today. The ungodly world represents an unholy world. And we then came to the point that we said living a holy life in an unholy world. This is what we want to do. And we came to this verse in the book of Peter where he says in 1 Peter 1 15, but as he who called us is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. What does the word conduct mean there? What is conduct? It's your behavior. It's your lifestyle. You know, you come to church and I look at you and everybody comes here and they put up their best smile and you put on some clothes and you cleaned up your church. But what happens when I go to your home right now? What if I get into your car and I go to your home and I see your environment where you live? And what if I go with you tomorrow to work and start asking your friends around you you work with and I ask them and I say, do you know this person? And then what can you say about the character of this person? What will they say about you? What will they say about you? I know what Peter says. Peter says what God is saying this morning. He says to you and me, we ought to live holy. Why? Because He is holy. Who knows what's an ambassador? An ambassador represents a country, isn't it? We send an ambassador of Australia to go over and live in the UK. And when people see the ambassador, they see how Australians look, think and feel. This is why we choose our best person to send overseas, don't we? Don't we? Because if people see that person and where they live, why do you think when you walk past an embassy, how does an embassy look? Immaculate, isn't it? Why? Because that's a representation of the country. It is not the country. It is not the country. It's only a representation of the country. My dear brother and sister, this morning, you are a representation of God if you call yourself a child of God. Do you get what I'm saying? This is why God comes down and He says the standard, the standard for my ambassadors in the world is to be holy for I am holy. And we saw last week and in the previous weeks, we saw that God is holy. Who, who believes that? The Bible describes it. I don't, I don't, you know, respectfully, I respectfully don't care whether you believe it or not, but I respect it when the Bible says God is holy. He says it there in Isaiah when the angels looked upon him, they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then you turn over into Revelation and in 
it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And that same God come to you too. And me this morning, he says, be holy for I am holy. You represent me when you call yourself a child of God. That's the standard. Now let it be known that when you start calling yourself a child of God, what does the world do? They have that big round thing, it's a glass thing, which I used when I was younger. I used to take it in the sun and I used to burn it to wood. Who knows what it is? A magnifying glass. When you call yourself a child of God, the world will turn the magnifying glass on you. You work in the world and you call yourself a Christian and you do something wrong, guess who's going to call you out? Come on. They are going to call you out. They are going to call you out. You are the representation of God. You are that representation. You say, prove it to be a little more preacher. Well, what is Jesus in John? In John he says, He is the light that came into darkness. John chapter 1 verse 14 says that He became present and lives amongst us. But it says then in verse 4, He is the light who came into darkness. That light, my friend, is the representation of the light of God. Came into a dark world. And it says that in the Old Testament, the prophecy that was written there, it says that the light of God is showing even to the coastlands when it's dark for a marvelous light has come up. And it is this now. When He shone that light, it came into your darkest heart and He, he illuminated you. Now, this is the proof. Because Jesus turns to his disciples and he says to them, No longer am I in the light of the world. We know he is. But he turns to them and he says, You are the light of the world. Am I right or wrong? And he also says that you are what? The salt. The salt. That is an ambassador of are you that ambassador this morning in your combat? Are you? Ask yourself a question. Now if you sit here this morning and you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk to myself because people think there's something wrong if I start talking to myself. You know, you get those people in, right? They just talk to themselves the whole time. Let me make it easy for you. Turn to the person next to you now and ask them, are you an ambassador for God? Come on, do it. So you see that Peter asks the same question. He says, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Holiness has got another meaning as well. And this is now what I want you to understand. Not only is the purity, not only is it immorality, it's not, not immorality, it's the morality of God, the pureness, but there is something else. The root of this word comes from the word cut off. It means that God is cut off from sin. We saw it in the Bible. It says in Him is no darkness, not even a shadow. But that root word meaning there is being cut off. And you and I need to understand what separation means. It is also to be separated. Let's look at John chapter 17 verse 14. Jesus prays this prayer before He goes and, and to the cross. One of his final prayers, 
He says in verse 14, I have given them your words. Everybody say words. You know the Greek word name for word is logos. L-O-G-O-S, logos. Just for those who don't know this, let me just excite you, okay? In John chapter 1 verse 1, he says, in the beginning was that word. And the word was God. And you know what that word is there? Logos. And you know what the word logos means? It means the written word. Hallelujah, <laughs> I love this. Praise God! He says there, I have given them your written word. But the written word is also Jesus. Because if you look at John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was Jesus, the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not a God, He was God. There is only one. And He says here, I've given them your Word, O Logos, and the world has hated them. Can you say anything to that? Because they are not of the world. Just as I am, I am not of the world. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. How many Christians pray, Lord, oh, just take me out of this. Just take me out of it, Lord. All of these problems, Lord, all of these persecution, all of these problems. By the way, I've caused them myself. The problems that you have around you is problems that you cause for yourself. If you stay with God, He will see after you, He will look after you. There will be difficult times, but He will be the one sustaining you. But you see, He sees that. that you should not take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, this is why you are not of the world. Do you understand what He's saying here? He says that if you call yourself a Christian, a child of God, you are not of the world. Oh, but preacher, I'm still living in the world. Yes, that's what he says there. But when people look at you, you are a citizen of a different country. He says, this is not one of the world. And now I want you to see this now. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to set apart. But here is the amazing thing. The amazing thing. If you look at this word here, be holy for I am holy, it uses the word hagios. Hagios, that means holiness. When you look at this word here, sanctify, it uses the same root word in Greek. It uses the word hagazil. You say, what is this all about, preacher? I'm telling you to back when he says, be holy for I am holy. It doesn't mean that you need to try and set yourself up a list of rules that you're going to say, I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. He doesn't say you set yourself rules up because you and I will never be God. There is only one God. And, and then what happens? He says that if we shall be holy as he is holy, it means that we need to be separated as he is separated from this world. That's what it means. Hagios, which he uses there. You see, we translate, we read a translated version of the Bible. The Bible is written in Hebrew and Aramaic, and it's also written in Greek. 
And if we could all understand Greek here, it would have been fantastic. Because you would have gained this straight away. I didn't have to explain it to you. As I had to study it for myself. So when he says, you shall be holy as I am holy, God is talking to you and me, and he says, you need to be separated from the world as I am separated from the world. In other words, you need to live a godly life in an ungodly world. In other words, you need to live a holy life in an unholy world. This is what he's saying. The child of God should be separated, must be separated. Sanctify them. By what? Your truth. What will separate you and me from the world? The word. The logos. Jesus will separate you and me from the world. You know, like somebody once said to me, you are, you, you love the word of God more than you love the God of the word. And I said to him, is there a difference? Is there a difference? I mean, is there a difference between when I speak to you and me? No, it's the same for me. The Word of God is powerful, friends. You see, and I see in, uh, as you see in the world, I also have seen them in the world. This is what Jesus prays for you and for me. The one Thessalonians, Paul speaks, he says uh, to the church, he says, For this is the will of God. What? Your Sanctification. Guess what the word he uses here? It's the same as sanctified there, it's the same as holy there. So what is the will of God? Our separation from the world. Now let me just say, he didn't say that now all of a sudden Kingsway Christian Fellowship is going to buy a piece of land out there in the desert. And now I'm going to pull you in there, we're going to set up a small little set there, and now we separate it from the world. No, he says it already there. You see, I'm repeating myself, but I want to be clear about this, because I hear people teach this out there, and there is thousands of people who listen to them and fall for that nonsense, because that is what it is, it's nonsense. He says it right there, he says, well, I'm going to pray that you should take them out of the world, but in the world you need to be separated. Why? Why do we have to be separated in the world so that people can see through that magnifying glass how an ambassador of God looks like? How it looks like. You see, we spend millions of dollars on missionaries to send them overseas. Millions of dollars. And I've got nothing against missionaries. This is not a sermon against them. But here is your biggest mission field, my dear friend. It is the place where you work. It's the place where you hang out with your friends. And you are that missionary, the right thing. And you know what? I'm going to have to spend a penny on you to be that missionary. Why? Because you are already there. You're already there. Your sanctification. You see, you need to be holy to live a holy life. We've seen this before. And holiness starts to be born again. You cannot call yourself holy if you are not born again. The born again experience, the born again uh, uh, event that happens in your life, set you apart. And there's only one way to be born again. Only one way. 
John chapter 1 verse 11, he saw this again, he says, He came to his own and his own did not receive him, so the Jews did not receive him. Let me just say to you, God right. It doesn't mean that when the Jews didn't receive him, that he cut them off. He still got a plan for them. I think I've said it so many times, we haven't replaced Israel. We are grafted into Israel, but because they rejected him, and it goes right back to the book of, of, of Genesis, because they rejected him, there was always a place in the tents for the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile, I haven't got Jewish blood in me. And I thank God that when they rejected him, the door opened up for me to stand here today, to be washed by the blood of the Lamb, hallelujah. He came to his own and they did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And to those who believe in his name, were born not of blood, nor the will of faith, nor the will of man, but of God. Now I'm going to ask you a question when you look at this verse. Who did he give the right to become children of God? Who did he give it to? To those who received him. And to those who believed him. I want you to listen now, okay? I want you to listen clearly now, because I see this distinction in the church today. And I want to make this clear for you. He says to those who receive Him and those who believe Him, to them, He gave what? The right to be called children of God. Not to anybody, just to those. To receive Him means to lay a hold of something. To lay a hold of Him. That's what it means. It means to lay a hold of something and to give that somebody access to your life. You see, I hear so many people that say, yeah, I've received him. I've received him. How did you receive him? Did you give him access to your life so that he can change your life? Or do you want to continue with your life as it is? So that is what that word means. You give, you give him access to your life. And the so this brings me then to two groups in the church. You get in the church today children of God and you get Christians by association. Children of God and Christians by association. What do you mean preacher? Let me explain to you because the Bible is so clear about it. Who remembers Abraham? Abraham had a nephew. His name was Lot. I want to take you there. Now God came to who? God came to Abraham. He says there in Genesis 12 verse 1. Now the Lord God said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. To whom did God say that? To Abraham. Did he say to Abraham, Abraham's dad? Did he say to Lot? Did he say to any of the wives? Did he say to any of the children? No, God chose this man. He called him. And, and praise the Lord, I've got a message for you next week. Oh, I'm not next week, but week after. Because I'm going to talk to you about what it means to be chosen. What it means according to the will of God. But here we see that God chooses Abraham. And what does he give Abraham? He gives him a 
promise. What is the promise? He says, I want you to come out. This gives him something to do. He says, I want you to get out of your country, out of your family, out of your father's house. Where did he, he live? He lived in a place called Ur. You are Ur. Ur of the Chaldeans. And they were living in mud houses. But not only did they live in mud houses, it was a representation of the gods that they served. It was not God Almighty. They served the gods of the land. And God calls him out that dire, dark, mighty place. And he says, I want you to leave. Now if Abraham leaves, there's a promise. What's the promise? I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you and I'll make your name great. And so shall the blessing be. Now look at verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Now just for a caveat here, if you read in the New Testament, it wasn't Abram who initiated the move. It was actually his father. It was actually his father. And then they came with him and stayed at a place called Haran. Actually, I said his father's name is Haran. Haran is a midway place. It's a halfway house. I've got a great message to preach about that. But, but eventually Abram departed as the Lord God has spoken to him. So who's the calling one? Abram. And now see what the Bible says. And Lot went with him. Lot went with him. This is what I call Christians by association. The Lot people. Explain preacher. What are we talking about? This is a very serious thing that you need to understand. You look at the churches today, I don't know, maybe in this room, there might be people sitting here today and they are the descendants of Abraham. I'm not talking according to the bloodline. I'm talking according to born into the body of Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And there might be people sitting in this room who is like Lot. Just walking with those people. I am one of those. I've seen it so many times in my life. I believe 100% in the assurance of salvation. 100%. Then people come to me and they say, but wait a minute, this person, they were in the church for over 20 years and they walked away from God. Now I can't understand, I don't know these circumstances, but I ask the question, they may have been lot-like people. Lot, who just followed the blessing of God. They never lived the blessing of God. The promise was never to them, although it is there. All the lot people need to do is they need to come to the cross and submit their sin at the feet of the cross of Christ and they will be born into the body and sealed with the Holy Spirit. But churches are sitting full of a lot of kind of people. Let me give you an example of this. Of characteristics of these lot people. Genesis chapter 13, we move on now. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. So these men were blessed. Lot had some sheep and livestock and cattle and everything. And Abraham and they all moved together. But now the, the herdsmen started fighting amongst each other. And in verse 8 it says, So Abram said to Lot, Who said to who? Abraham said to Lot, 
Please let there be no strife between you and me. And between my husband and your husband. For we are brothers. So he's initiating the, the peace here. You see, God gave Abraham the promise. Lot just followed along. Now we meet in Genesis 3, verse 13, verse 10. And Lot lifted his eyes. So Abraham came to him and he said to him, Lot, we can't fight. We can't fight because he says the spirit is like the gazelle in the land. What does it mean? It means the world is looking at Christians and looking how the Christians are fighting amongst each other. And it's not a good example. That's not how a good ambassador for God should be. So he came to Lot and he says, let there not be fights amongst us. Wherever you choose to go, I will go in the opposite direction. Let's just separate. Peter says, we only fight and only separate from the world. Look at this now, because there's a few characteristics which I want to pick out here. Verse 10, Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan. Then it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, this is before that. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zohar. Then Lord chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lord journeyed east, and they separated from each other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lord dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his feet even as far as Sodom. Oh, there is so much here. So much. This scripture here is so rich. Have you seen it? I ask you the question. Within every single man that is born, there is a desire to seek God. There is an emptiness there. But do they, do they seek God? No. Man goes astray. They go further from God. See what he sees. It is like the garden of the Lord. Why is it written like that? It's the most beautiful place. That's the standard that he wanted. And then he says it's like the land of Egypt. But let's look at the characteristics of Lot people. First of all, it's all into this prosperity gospel. All into that. What does Lot do? What's best for me? What's best for me? Bring it. It's mine. Throw in your tithes. The more you give, Hey, if you're going to give a thousand dollars, God's going to bless you back ten thousand dollars. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. But it's a prosperity. It's all about God. He looked out, and the Bible says that he chose for himself all of the brain of Jordan. Have you seen that? He didn't even come to, to Abraham and say, Abraham, I'll pick this side of the brain of Jordan, you have that side. No, no, it's going to be all these. This is what God people do. And you can identify them. They're preaching on your TV screens. They're all over the place and they're all only out your money. Why is that making out the brains of Jordan? It's prosperity. Have you noticed that he didn't pray? Lot? Lot people aren't praying people. Lot people just come and they sit and they're under the banner of Christianity, but they never pray. People they never go uh, to God and say, Lord, can you tell me where I should go? Can I walk in your will? Maybe God would have said to him, Hey, Lord, guess what? I'm going to give you the plains of Jordan. If only he had come to God and asked for it. But he never come. That's how a lot of people do. But they sit in churches. 
But I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, if you ask him to pray, there's not a discipline to pray. Why? Because these people never had the promise of Abraham. They just associate with church. A lot of people will eventually separate from the children of God if they do not get their own will. I've seen it so many times. A lot of people come into a church and they want to change the church to fit them. And if they can't change the church, guess what they do? They go. They go. And a lot of people love the world. But they bring the spirit of the world into the church. That's what we see a lot. That's what a lot of people do. See what he did. He separated each other and then he locked well in the what? In the cities of the plain and preached instead as far as Sodom. And you know what? Even later, God had to rescue him out of Sodom. God had to rescue him. He started to compromise. Let's listen. The church should never compromise, compromise the glory of God. Never. Never. I've seen it so many times. A lot of people, unfortunately, sometimes are born not people. Mom and dad is in church. A child is born into that family. Mom and dad goes to church because they want to serve God. They are called by God. They are coupled out. They are born again. Blood was children of God. And the children go with mom and dad. And they will never come to the point of submitting their own lives to Christ. And what happens? Within one family in the home, there could be Abraham and a lot of people. The children go to church just because mom and dad go to church. I've seen it. It happens between husband and wife. Husband goes to church because he's, he's, he's cut by the heart. The Lord bless him. He comes to church because he wants to worship church. And the wife doesn't want to upset him. And the wife just goes to church. And within that family, and as the children grow up, the children grow up with a, a father who's been born again and a mother who's a long time in person. And then the children play something you don't know why. And it happens other way around. Listen, listen, ladies, I haven't got it against you because I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. When wives come to church because they are blood washed with the blood of the Lamb and, and the husband is the law, he just passively goes along. And I always see this if the husband or the wife passes away, that person never comes back to the house of God. Never. Because the discipline of God is not in their hands. This is a serious matter. When God says, be holy for I am holy, you need to be separated. And if you are a lot kind of person, you wouldn't know what it is. Because you can't separate because you haven't got holiness in your life. You are not born again. Now I want to do one more verse and then we will finish. You see, we need to be saved from this generation. In the book of Acts, Peter stands up and he preached the gospel to the crowd. Verse 37, he says, Now when they heard this, heard what? The gospel. They were cut to the heart. Yes? Cut to the heart means that the Lord is really speaking their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? We want to do something. We want to serve God. Then Peter said to them, What? Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. 
telling me, we can't be Holy Spirit if we haven't been born again. You can't. For the promise is to you and your children. Now why do I tie this to Abraham? Because who did the promise come to? To Abraham. And who went along with him? Lot. But he comes to you and he says, if you repent of your sins and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit seals you. You receive a promise to you and your children and to all the fathers, as many as the Lord will call. And with many other words, he testified and exalted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and the day about 3,000 souls were baptized. Jeremiah said this. He said, This is a promise. When he says, The promise there from God, the promise is to you and your children. What promise? Jeremiah 31 33. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. What is the law? It's the word of God. Where will he put it? He will put it in your minds. I will put it in and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall any man teach us his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Now, listen now. We're talking about Lord people and Abraham people. The promise comes to Abraham. Leave your country. Leave your father's house. And we see that Lot follow. You see, when we read this, he says, He will be our God. No mention of man teaches anybody, for they shall know me. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you know him? Do you know him? That's the Abraham people. You know your God. You know him. How do you know him? You know him intimately. Now, if you know him, are you spending time with him? Do you know that he's got a desire to spend time with you? It's God's desire to spend time with you. When you sleep at night, he's sitting, he's sitting on the edge of your bed. He watches over you. He said that he's not even sleeping. No, he never sleep no slumber. He said, but I know about the angels. These angels, yes, they are there as well. But he sits there and he watches over you. What is the first thing that you say when you wake up? Well, what a horrible day is going to be. Oh, can I just have a little bit more sleep? Can I just do it? Ninety percent. 
to those people. He says, go and show you to the priest in the, in, the, in the town. And you know what? Nine of those people were not people. One is an Abraham promised child of God. Because he came back to the life keeper and he said thank you. You see, this, this, this gets me. God is a God of 100% when it comes to you. But when we come to God, it is 90% God. And in this environment, He says to you, meet the only one. What does He say to you? He says, I will be Thank you. 
reality is. I think the time is serious that you and I need to look ourselves in the faces in the mirror and say, God, am I saved or not? Lord, am I associating to the church or am I a blackwashed child of you? The time is serious. It's now. I want you to understand. Eternal damnation is what the likes of people who do not do this. But here is the thing. We need to come to the cross and submit to it. Now, next week, um, I'm preaching on another church next week. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I don't want to, I don't want to come to preaching because it's on a roll now. I want to just preach about these things. I'm preaching here at another church. We've got a great preacher who's coming in and preaching here. The week after, do not miss. Because I want to talk to you about this. This. When in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. There's our word, holy, and blame before what God blame before you. I'm going to unpack that for you. And brother and sister, for the last three weeks, the last three weeks, the Lord has been dealing with me in the scripture. If you are sitting here and you've got problems with insecurity, Come and listen. Because there's such a great word from God there. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Father, I want to repeat this morning that if in any way I, through my human ability, took away any seriousness of this message, I want to repeat of that word. But Father, I'm so grateful this morning that your word spoke. Father, you know, you know, Father, what I'm saying now. That in the mornings that I pray at night before you, Lord, that you are pressing the seriousness of this holiness and this message is upon my heart. Father, you know that some of it is for me. Some of the things you deal with me is for me, Lord. But the ones that I preach here, Lord, is for us, for the people. Father, I don't know why you got your food pass, but the people who is here today to listen had to be here today to listen. 